Welcome to Podcast 1017. This podcast will feature interviews with Drew's professionals who are experts in their fields and who will share their experiences and success stories. We hope the podcast will allow you to not only learn about various industries, but also inspires you to achieve your own version of greatness. Network 1017 knows the importance of a strong network and have made it our mission to provide you opportunities to build professional networks and to cultivate success within our community. This episode is brought to you by the generous donations of our sponsors, Dr. Ramzi and Dr. Ramona Dakur, Nabil and Dad Al-Mashtoub, Joe and Randa Ghazal, Wael and Diana Fayyad, Mike and Salam Raida. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Podcast 1017. And today, I have the pleasure of introducing Malik Najjar. He's Associate Professor of Theater Arts with University of Oregon. He is also a professional theater director and focuses on Arab-American drama, film, and television. So, Malik, I'm super excited to have you. Uh, Thank you for having me on the, <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, I think one thing me and Joe agree on is that we love how open-minded you are and how involved you are in the arts. I think arts is extremely important. Um, I took acting classes when I was young and I think because of my um, pushing my father to say, hey, no, I want to take this. I think this is why I'm able to speak in front of people and even just (laughs) show my personality. And the fact that you make this as a profession for yourself is just phenomenal. I have a ton of questions to ask you. So get ready. (laughs) I may talk your ear off. (laughs) I'm always, I'm always so happy to hear about our young people in the arts. We, we need to actually have more uh, representation in the arts or else, honestly, the stereotypes that we keep seeing on the screen will continue to perpetuate. So we have to be the ones to change that. I agree 100%, 100% because even in this nowadays, I think Arab Americans need to step up and not only speak for the Arabs that are overseas and because we have, in a way, we have a privilege living in this country. And if we're able to showcase what it really is to live overseas and sometimes how they don't get the opportunities that we get, I think will not only help them to inspire everyone around us, around us, around the world, but also just inspire the kids in our generations here living here to do something greater and speak to other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, many uh, great scholars that preceded us talked mm-hmm. about that. And I think especially yes. Jack G. Shaheen, mm-hmm. who wrote uh, the book um, Real Bad Arabs, R-E-E-L, Bad Arabs, which okay. is just seminal reading because he talked about the fact that um, these stereotypes are pernicious and they won't mm-hmm. go away on their own. We actually have to, in his words, hunt them down <laughs> because, uh, because they exist and they will continue to exist unless we um, make a conscious effort to change the narrative. And I think that right. unless we are in positions of power, in studios, in mm-hmm. rehearsal rooms, in front of cameras, directing these things, writing these things, I don't think those stereotypes will go away anytime soon. I agree 110%. Plus, we're doing it in a way where, where people are, um, this is the best way to reach people. I mean, think Absolutely. about it. Our generation, how, how, are, they, how are they learning? It's online. Right. That's it's right. on TV. It's on. Diff- it's not. It's not in a book anymore. As wish. As much as I love books, it's just not. You know. And so you sure. have to. T- you have to speak their language. That's I know. Right. Um, Nelson Mandela said this best. He said, "If you speak to, if you speak to someone, um, if you just, if you speak to someone, it goes through their head. But if you speak it, if you speak it in their language, it goes through their heart. I think I said that right. I'm not That's sure. So but true. it's. But it's just. But you get the gist. It's really just. If you can speak the language that someone else speaks and it's their, by their native tongue, I think that's how you can really um, get people listening. 
So what strikes me as being extremely important for our generation and for, for the generations to come is that we actually allow our young people to enter into the artistic fields. Because if we don't, we will never change the narrative that's out there. And I think that even though it is difficult, even though it's sometimes financially stressful, um, we have to be in the, as, as uh, the musical Hamilton says, in the room where it happens. We have right. to be in the place where the decisions are being made. We have to be the ones writing the scripts, directing the scripts, acting out the characters. Mm. When we do that, I think that then uh, we can really start to change how we are being viewed because we're actually going to be on the screen uh, representing ourselves rather than being represented by others. I love that. And and just to add on to that, why the arts is so powerful and why acting is so powerful is because it allows you to to put yourself in a position, A, where you can speak in front of people, right. but B, also put yourself in someone else's shoes. When you truly right. understand, so there's this book um, recently I've been uh, reading, it's called An Actor Prepares. Yes. And it's by, uh, God, why am I forgetting his name? Stanislavski. Yes, yes. So I was yeah. recently, it was funny, I, was, um, I ran into a kid and he, he had this book and I love to read. So I was like, why, why are you reading this book, An Actor Prepares? I never understood why, um, you know, why anybody would read about acting rather just experience it. And then he kind of went deep and he explained to me, he's like, well, you want to master your craft. And I was like, okay, explain to me that. What do you mean by that? And so he's like, well, when you understand how an, how an actress should, should be when they walk into a role, you understand how, how to become that character. And he talks about this book and how Constantine shares his diary basically on exactly how, how he had to learn to, to perform in a way where it allowed him to be open-minded and actually experience what that, a character experienced in order to perform like that character or be that character, right? And so as I'm still reading, I'm still understanding it, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is when you are able to master that ability, you're also able to read people really well and understand how they are as people and, and, and look at them in a different way rather than just a human being, but more of a spiritual being or just a soul. And I don't want to get too spiritual on here, but, but in a way, if you look at them, you're able to really understand them deeper than what you see right in front of you. And that, allows you to have a better connection, but I'm sure you have something to say about no, that. No, absolutely. And Stanislavski himself, um, he, he defined the modern actor, the idea of being able to mm. take on a character fully and embody mm. them and embrace them. And I think that that worked for him because he was working with very deep scripts like those of Anton Chekhov's plays. Mm. Um, the problem is now we don't have deep material often. So for instance, a lot of screenplays yeah. um, write very one-dimensional characters, not three-dimensional characters, especially when it comes to minorities. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem. So how can you possibly bring so much of yourself as an actor to a character that's written so shallowly, mm -hmm. where it just shows the character as a gang member or as a terrorist or as a... So you're labeling them versus really understanding them. That's right. That's right. So, so what, what from, in my view has to happen is that mm -hmm. we have to write more three-dimensional minority characters, mm -hmm. whether they're in the African-American community, Asian-American community, Latin, Latino community, mm -hmm. or our own Arab-American community. Right. Because then we actually have fully dimensional characters that require embodiment by the actor. But up that. to now, what's happened is the non-minority characters are three-dimensional mm -hmm. and everyone else that's a minority is one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they just need you to come in and play a stereotype. And that is the problem. We keep being cast. And I have a lot of Arab American friends who keep getting cast in very stereotypical roles. And they said, I'm tired of it, really. Um, mm -hmm. and, and 
And so what I think that the greatest people have done in our field specifically is they said, you know what, I'm going to write my own material. I'm going to write my own screenplays. I'm going to write my own plays. I'm going to produce my own plays. I'm going to be in my own plays. And when they do that, they create much more multifaceted um, embodied characters that are so inspirational and so beautiful in a way that those who have been writing us from the outside have never written. And right. so that, that's the challenge. That's the, that's the hard work that has to happen. But it won't happen unless we're trained, unless mm -hmm. we really understand our craft deeply, whether it's in acting, writing, directing, design. Um, we, we just have to make those, those major, um, we have to make a major leap into uh, that field if we're ever going to change it. I love that you said that because now you're teaching Arab Americans to take matters in their own hands yes. and not just, and not, not be in the system, but work with the system. So Definitely. play the game, be in the game that they're playing, but don't always have to play by the rules and find a way to win in, in some, some way. Absolutely. And it's been done before. Look at yeah. how the African Americans and the Latinx community have changed their narrative. Um, right. and it's, really, it's really exciting. And when mm -hmm. you think about how people have done that, I think that gives us a great template from which to work. Mm -hmm. And just because we're late to the game, if you will, doesn't right. mean that we can't be part of the game. We really have to mm -hmm. now enter this field and start changing it the way that they did back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Now it's mm -hmm. our turn to step mm -hmm. up and do the same. I love you saying that because I'm, now I'm getting goosebumps because I was literally just talking about this to my brother three months ago and I was telling him, I was like, you know what? I was like someone and I was telling him how I really wanted to get into production and this is the, the route I want to take. And he said, well, why production, not acting? I see you more as an actor and this and that. Well, I was like, well, let me tell you why. I was like, because I'll have control on what parts I want to play. If I just go into the system as an actress, I don't have any say in anything. And it's not me wanting to be controlling, but it's me being very intentional with what exactly I wanted to to be or perform or even showcase in in the community or in the industry of, of show business because if you if you because there's just some I mean I hate to say it speaks excuse my French but there's so much bullshit movies out there like if you've right. seen the statistics there's probably I think if I was not mistaken about 500 to 800 movies produced this past year you know how many YouTube videos have been released this past year over millions and billions like over like yeah. 100 to 200 million. I don't even know how much it was like way more than the movie industry. And on top of that, it's inspiring right. more people. There's more views on YouTube than there is actually people going to the cinema. So to me, that tells me That's people right. are seeking something that we're not providing in the movie industry. And that tells me That's that right. things need to be changed. And, and the way that happens is through content creators, creators who understand that and want to inspire because unfortunately we're in a position now where our future is growing up and if we don't if we don't if we don't start creating things that that teach them something or inspire them to inspire them to do something they're going to get lost in this digital world that's showing up now and it's not going right. to be very pretty for us either so anyway this is my little spiel <laughs> no, it's, it's very it's very true you know the 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 Hollywood uh, movie industry has gatekeepers you mm -hmm. know they're the ones with the money they're the ones with right. the power they're the ones with and because of that a very small group of people have had a tremendous amount of power for a very mm -hmm. long time. Right. And because of that, the abuses that we see happening, like a Harvey Weinstein or others, mm -hmm. have allowed to go on because it's been a small, right. enclosed ecosystem. Right. Well, like you said, now through the democratization of mm -hmm. media, through things like YouTube or these, or these you know, singing talent shows or whatever it may be, you know, we have an opportunity now to actually have people who are never allowed in to get in. Mm -hmm. 
mm. based on their talent, based on their writing, based on other things. So, so as a matter of fact, I look at the, you know, some people look askance at things like YouTube and I say, mm. this is a chance for us to yeah. break in. Granted, sometimes you break in and it's, you're, you're kind of lost in the wilderness, but sometimes mm -hmm. things can have a breakout effect. So it, it becomes a more open playing field. Uh, mm -hmm. I have friends who are singer singer songwriters, and in the past, you had to go audition, you had to get a contract, you had to go through a major studio label in order to produce an album. And now they could literally record songs in their rooms and post them up on uh, any you know streaming platform in minutes. Right. That's changed the entire world that we're living in, and I think we need to take advantage of that. I love that you said that because because now, like you said, there is freedom. And so many opportunities and different routes you can take. It's not the traditional, let me go to a talent agency. Let me see what I can get from there. It's, it's, it's thinking outside the box and being creative with the game they gave us and just figuring out, figuring right. out what you can do to, to um, leave your mark. And if I, that's, right. that's the best way to put it. So now Absolutely. let's, so talk to me, let's talk about your expertise for a second, because I would love to hear from someone who's a professor who teaches theater art. And I want to understand what would you say to someone who's trying to get into the, acting world, let's say, or producing, or what, whatever the case may be, theater, whatever that may be. What would you say about someone who, who's thinking to go more, just like audition to a ton of stuff, get a ton of experience, may not have acting skills, might, might just take a few classes on the side, but is focused more on getting more roles and experience rather than going the academic route and applying to a college of, of arts. So explain the difference and, and explain why it, it's an advantage to go to a university and learn. Well, there, there are a couple of routes to take. Mm -hmm. The first route is that there's a, a playwright named David Mamet who just right. says, go out there and audition and just mm -hmm. let the audience be your teacher. Right. So his view really is you don't, you don't need people to teach you. You can teach yourself by just performing nonstop. Just go and work. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some, some merit to that. However, I don't think you would tell that to somebody who's trying to play Beethoven. <laughs> you wouldn't mm -hmm. just give them, give them a piano and say, Go play Beethoven. You'll, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll figure it out. You have, to, you have to be trained. So I'm, I'm a great advocate of training. Now, I don't believe that everyone should go through a university training system. I think that there are conservatories that are very, quite excellent, that you can be trained in a short amount of time, uh, say two to three-year training programs. Mm -hmm. And they will give you the fundamentals of acting on stage or on camera. And those are really great ways to get yourself started. However, mm -hmm. I'm also a great advocate of a university system because I don't believe that actors should be automatons either. I don't think that we should just be like robots because those are the actors I feel that get taken advantage of. They don't have views on politics, history. They don't have views on literature and dramatic literature. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what a university system does. It gives you a, a universal view of the world that you're living in. So I, I think it really comes down to what the, the person believes is their calling. If they mm -hmm. want to be an actor 24-7, then I would say get some training in the beginning. It doesn't have to be a university. Go to a conservatory, but get some training that just gets you a foundation from which you can build. Um, but if you want more than just being a performer, if you want to open up your horizons to say producing, directing, etc., I really do think having more of a world perspective, if you will, mm -hmm. a global perspective, is actually a very positive thing. Because how can you possibly write about politics if you've never studied politics or read pol political theory? Right. Um, th you know, how can you possibly understand the history of fashion if you've never really taken those sort of 
answer, but I think that there are multiple routes to get to where you're going. Mm -hmm. I would just caution actors from just going straight into the industry with no training and no um, background in things like art appreciation, theater appreciation, et cetera, because those most likely are going to be the actors that get used to just play the roles that are given to mm. them without much critical thought behind it. Got you, got you. Okay, so it's really understanding what type of, um, what type of route you want to be as an actor, like what type of, what, what type of actor you want to be, and then understanding right. what route you should take. So it sounds like if you're trying to play more theater roles, something that's more, um, more historical, right, from, mm -hmm. and play roles that are, that are seen as more theater, go that route and then, right. and, and really master that craft. If it's something that's where right. you just want to be on TV and you don't mind doing whatever you want to do, or maybe you do care, but going the experience route will help you, but find a way where that, uh, you know, if it's, if it's playing any role, then go the route of the, how you play it, like the traditional route. But if it's not playing every role, like we've mentioned before, find a way through maybe a YouTube channel, finding producers, however, and, or creating your own scripts and being your own producer and acting your own movies is That's another right. way too. There's a famous, yeah. oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, because if things have been done before we came along <laughs> and it's important right. to know what's been done to right. understand that history before you go on and start to create your own, your right. own body of work. And mm -hmm. so that's why, I mean, some of the greatest uh, producers and, and, and filmmakers, et cetera, have gone through a system like a USC, uh, you know, film and training program or Yale university mm -hmm. or a lot of those places they create, they, they're the, they're the, they give you the foundational knowledge that you require in order to go off and then say, okay, I understand what's been done prior. Now it's time for me to build upon mm -hmm. that. thing. Right, and so right. I, would just, I would just say that is the value of an education at this mm -hmm. point. So, so, so talk to me about um, how you got started and why you got started through arts. Well, I have to tell you, just like everyone else in our community, I was told not to go into the arts. You know, uh, the, the, the instant advice was there's no place for you there. You'll never make it. It's not for you. It's for other people. Mm -hmm. So that was very discouraging, to be totally honest. However, yeah. um, when I was watching shows that I had seen, like, for instance, MASH, right? The show MASH would come on. And there's this guy named Klinger, and he's Lebanese. But he's also talking about riding camels in the desert and just all sorts of nonsensical right. notions about what it meant to be Lebanese. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've been to Lebanon many times in my life and I've never, I saw a camel once. I think he was just like a tourist attraction. You know, it was, there's nothing. <laughs> right, there's right. Nothing it's like, not a thing. It's not a thing. But, but, you know, that's how we were perceived, portrayed, mm -hmm. you know. And then I, I saw multiple times when we were either the sort of um, desert dwelling chic Arab, mm -hmm. or you're the terrorist Arab, or just negative stereotypes, one after another after another. And so as I was going along, and I was starting to act and learn more, I thought to myself, well, gosh, I wonder if there's another way to do this. Is there another mm -hmm. way to understand this? So uh, I, I started acting in high school, and then I decided in college to major in theater arts. And when I did that, I took play, playwriting classes, directing classes, acting classes, production classes. I mean, I, I did everything from hanging lights to writing scripts to acting scripts to directing whole plays. Mm -hmm. And that was an excellent foundational education for me. And when I graduated, I decided, well, what are my options? Uh, do I go to graduate school immediately? Do I try to do something different? And I had several colleagues at the school, and, they, and I thought to myself, mm -hmm. why don't I start a theater company? So I did. I started a theater company, and we had, I think, like 
$3,000 between the three of us wow. that started the company. And we just got busy and we started producing plays, directing plays, designing plays. And five years later, we were filling 800 seat houses. Mm. And that, that was a great education because that, again, was me having to do everything in the mm. theater from cleaning the bathrooms to hanging the curtains to directing the plays to writing the scripts, whatever it took. You had to do it because it was mm. all on you. And that right. was a great education in and of itself. I then went on and, and received a, a master's degree in directing in wow. York University in Toronto. And that gave me the fundamentals specifically about directing that I really thought were missing in my education at that point, the real deep fundamentals. Uh, I went to Los Angeles, I freelanced, I taught, et cetera, for quite a while. And then I started going down more and more the sort of teaching route. And teaching is a wonderful uh, profession. It really does have great skill. opportunities and it's a great skill. And it allowed me to actually say, here's a chance for me to actually write about theater, not just um, mm. you know, produce theater, but write about it, learn about it, and, and spend more time focusing on Arab American theater specifically. So um, academia was great because it also taught me uh, that I had an opportunity to, to discuss our history as Arab mm. Americans and also mm -hmm. our, our history as Arab American uh, performers and writers, etc. Mm -hmm. So after I, I received my PhD, I wrote my dissertation on Arab American theater, film and performance. Mm. And that really opened up my, my mm -hmm. mind and my consciousness to the fact that we have been doing this in this country for over a century. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something else that nobody really talks about is that, you know, Arab Americans, we have been part of this narrative for a very long time. Right. And, uh, and starting with Khalil Gibran, Mikhail Naimi, um, with Amin Rihani, mm -hmm. all of those men were playwrights and nobody right. ever talks about their plays as, you know, they were playwrights as well as, as uh, theater uh, you know, aficionados and, and mm -hmm. as novelists and poets. So we have a deep, rich history in this country and nobody knows about it. And I, to this day, one thing I do with students is I'll put up a bust of Shakespeare mm -hmm. and I'll put up a little bust of Khalil Gibran and mm -hmm. I'll say, who's this guy? Oh, William Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. Who's this guy? Silence, mm -hmm. complete silence. And it's so sad to me that we don't have a knowledge of our history, uh, right. that we don't, we don't understand that these were Arab American writers. They were American writers, but they were of Arab descent. And we've never read their works. We don't even understand what they did. And so it's now, uh, now I feel that my educational mission is even greater because we have to educate people about their history, mm. whether they're Arab Americans or not Arab Americans, we still don't have a deep understanding of our own history. Right. I love that you said that because it's, it's unfortunate because we also lose our culture within our with kids, just in general. So a lot of them don't even know about our, our history. Don't know, they don't understand our culture. They don't really understand much that it's like we lose them, you know, and that's if we, right. and that's, and it's unfortunate because they only see the bad stuff and that's because right. of the media. And that's if you right. actually study like Khalil Gibran, who I absolutely love, if you actually study some of our people, they're very wise and oh, they wrote yeah. some beautiful things and they were super open-minded back then, you know, even yeah. and they were the, they were us in their generation, you know? That's and right. so, so it's just it's unfortunate. So I love that you're 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 putting yourself out there. You're you're teaching these classes. You're you're educating students because this is what's gonna set them up for the future and and keep us in mind to continue it because that's we're right. not we're we're not what we're seeing on media, but there is a lot about us that are that's so beautiful that we can talk about. That's right. And and the the idea that uh, that we won't we don't have a place in the in the entertainment industry or in the We're literary arts is not true. I mean, yeah. you know, these people were writing in the nineteen aughts. You know, they're mm -hmm. nineteen. The first Arab American play was nineteen oh eight. 
So these plays have been done. They have been, now it was never produced, but it was written. There there has been a literary and artistic urge within Mm -hmm. our people for a very long time. And those of us who are Lebanese should be even duly proud because all of these people were Lebanese slash Syrians. Uh, you know, uh, in their in their own time. So there's a lot to be proud of. And if you look at the work of, say, the Rahbanis in Lebanon, mm-hmm. they were, they created amazing art in their right. time. So so our people are deeply artistic, deeply musical, deeply mm-hmm. funny. You know, we we have great comedy, we have great drama. We can do this. We know we can do this. We've seen it done overseas with other. Uh, you know, other creators, we can do that here as well. Mm. And I think that unfortunately we've been programmed and told that we're not allowed to, whether it's from our own community or whether it's from the outside community that said, well, these people don't belong here. Well, Mm. that's not true. We belong. We should be doing our work just like everyone else is doing their work. And we can, we can actually change uh, the way that the, the landscape, if you will, the film and theater landscape, if we mm-hmm. just commit ourselves to a life in this field. Unfortunately, our, our parents, because they're worried about economic, the economic situation, the difficulties of making it, if you will. How we look in front of everybody else, yeah. You know, they, I, I understand that. Look, I, it's a tough life. I'm not going to pretend right. that it's easy. It's a tough life. However, we're never going to, to make a difference unless we actually you know, put our necks out there, if you will, and mm-hmm. actually make those struggles and sacrifices in order right. to do things differently. Right, right. I mean, I'm with you 100%. I mean, this is a extremely important if we can, if we can get up just, just enough, right? Enough of a, like yeah. a, an army of a really strong Arab Americans who understand their purpose and their intentions and have a love and passion for, for acting and, produ- and production and directing and theater and all of that. Right. It would just be beautiful. We'll set up a really beautiful future for, for our kids and their kids and, and really change the way we are seen to yes. the rest of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that, uh, that's the kind of sacrifice that we're going to have to start making. Right. Uh, I, I really, I, I worry for us because we're too, as Arab Americans, we've been too comfortable hiding behind, for instance, whiteness. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we, you know, checking off that, <laughs> yeah. that, that white box on the census, checking off the white really box. Really annoying, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, we haven't advocated for ourselves the way that other groups have, right? Right. Uh, and when you don't advocate for yourself, nothing will be done for you. So mm-hmm. uh, African-Americans, L- Latinos, um, Asian-Americans, others, right. because they had those check boxes on the census, they were getting different social services, monies that were being put into their communities. Right. We, we always fought for whiteness. And by doing so, we've actually excluded ourselves from having opportunities. Right. And we're not considered a minority. We're considered white. Well, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Uh, nobody looks at us as white, to be quite yeah, honest. In, in that's white true. Country. And so the sooner that we put away that false notion and we start focusing on the fact that we are different and unique, and right. that's a good thing. I right. think that's when, when we can actually change our situation within this country. Mm. But, um, but those are the sacrifices that others have made that we haven't traditionally made, historically made. Mm. And because of that, I feel that we are very, very far behind other groups mm. in this country in that way. Right, right. I mean, I'm with you 100%. Everything you're saying is, is super correct. We need to make a stand for ourselves. If we, want, if we want to be seen differently, we have to stand up for ourselves. And we have to make a point that that's what we want. And that's right. it's just going to take a lot a lot of time and that's something that whoever's passionate about and understands but it's important it's extremely important for our future so i'm with you 
That's right. And, and I feel that uh, this has to be a broad coalition of mm. Middle Easterners. You know, I, right. I don't think it's just all on Arab Americans. I think that Turkish Americans, uh, you know, uh, different, the different minority groups that are in right. the Iranian right. Americans, uh, we, we all have to, to come together and say, mm -hmm. this is a, a, a collective fight that we have to fight at this point because right. we can't keep do business as usual has not worked for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe it has if you kind of melt into and you assimilate into the population. But for those of us that still want to retain our culture and right. to be proud of it and to say that it is a distinct, separate and interesting mm -hmm. culture, I think we're really going to have to take, take some steps to to uh, change that narrative um, and and make the tough decisions that it right. takes. Um, I was at AUB last fall for a mm -hmm. conference and several young Arab American, Druze American yeah. women stood up mm -hmm. and said, I wanted to go into the arts. My parents said, no, I couldn't do it because going into the arts meant that I was going to be considered and this one young woman used a very interesting Arabic word, which I won't use on your podcast. Oh, and, oh and, yeah. And, I can and people guess. were, yeah, you know, and people were like, oh, no, no, that's not true. And frankly, <laughs> uh, it, it, is, it, it is sadly true yeah. that, that we still have these very unfortunate old-fashioned notions about mm -hmm. what it means to be an artist. And, and I find that to be very sad. And a sheikh came up to me, a young man, uh, but he had children. And he said, well, if they would only let them do good roles, we, we might allow them to, but none of these bad roles that they give them. Right. And I think to myself, well, you know, as an actor, you're going to play every kind of role. There is right. no just good or just bad roles. Yeah. You're playing all kinds of different roles. So, you know, I think we have a, a long uphill battle to fight. And also, yeah. like you said, like we said before, I mean, look at, for God's sakes, Nadine Labaki, you know, yes. one of my favorite yes. Lebanese producers. She, she's amazing. She's beautiful. She talks the truth in every movie yes. she creates and she acts in it because That's she understood right. what roles she wants to play and what movies she wants to produce and, and, and share the truth with, with the rest of the world. And, it, and they're entertaining and I love them. Like, so it's, it's, it's you know, the, I hate to say this, but it is all excuses. And to be honest, it is all just road bumps, bumps on the road. If people right. want to stop you because of something else, I understand that. That makes sense. I get why no parent would want a kid to be an actor. Or, yeah. But you can have a choice in what, you, what, what roles you play if you take a little bit of a harder route, but yeah. will save you a lot of time in the future and headaches. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a wonderful Palestinian-American uh, screenwriter, director, actress named Shireen Dabbas. And okay, she's amazing. Oh, you, I beg you to watch her films. Okay. Uh, she did a great film called Amrika, which mm -hmm. is a beautiful meet, uh, film about uh, Arabs coming to America and having to struggle uh, mm. to, to, to be accepted and to make it in this country. Um, and, you know, she's a great example of somebody who was born and raised in this country, female, who said, I'm going to be a part of this industry. And she directs in Hollywood. She acts in her films. She writes her films. She directs her films. Mm. She's a great inspiration. You know, these are the people we need to be looking up to. And right. we need to say, these are the ones that are, that are going to really make the difference because she's writing deeply interesting three-dimensional female characters that are, mm. that happen to be Arab as well. So, this is, this is the way forward. It really is. And I think we need to start heralding these people and cherishing them and, and looking up to them rather than saying, well, though, you know, that's not a, a career for my child. Right, <laughs> I, right. I think the more we do that, the more we limit our options and our opportunities. In this and it's, it's suffocating when a child is born with uh, a like to creativity and that's, that's, right. that's the way they're able to express themselves. That's it's right. suffocating for them when they're not able to do that. It's Absolutely. extremely suffocating. And, and, and you feel very unfulfilled 
because you're not expressing the, that type of energy that you love to express. And, and that's, it's unfortunate. So if any parents are listening out there and your kid wants to be an actor or an actress, please let them be. <laughs> <Short little. laughs> I, I'm telling you, it is, it is such a beautiful, look, it went, economic situation aside, it is a deeply beautiful career to be an artist, right. you know, to express yourself, mm. to, express, to express the hopes and dreams and aspirations of the people mm. you know. We, we need to really, uh, I, I think that's a, it's a great calling. And, mm. and I always tell people going into the arts is less a profession and more of a calling because, mm. you know, you don't go into the arts to retire like most people do no. in most businesses. You go into yeah. the arts to be an artist until the day you die. You know, right. that is your, it's your calling. It is your mm. mission. It is the thing that, that drives you and motivates you. I, I can think of no more beautiful uh, purpose in life uh, yeah. than to be an artist, but the truth is that uh, until we take away those impediments, mm. our young people will always feel like they're never allowed to be a part of this artistic right. Uh, right. movement. And that's very sad to me. I would definitely say if any parents out there listening to this, I would definitely say just change your perspective and be a little bit open-minded. Understand that being an actor, an actress, producer, it's like starting a business. You have okay. to invest and you never know what's going to happen. But if you put, okay. give them the support they need, the business that they're trying to to be in and pursue is going to flourish. And Hey, it might be your own retirement too. So there's that. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I often tell parents, uh, you know, you came to this country and did what you had to do to survive, but I hope that you will think about the idea that you can let your children do what they want to do right. in this country because you set up that foundation for them. You right. gave them the education, you gave them the economical foundation in order to go off and now achieve their dream. I love it. Yeah. And when I was in Minneapolis we, uh, recently, uh, I found a, uh, there was this, I, I went running uh, when I was there and there was this piece of graffiti on wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. I think that that's what our purpose is, to be the thing that our ancestors couldn't be, to be the thing that our parents couldn't be. If they right. couldn't achieve those things, we need to then say, you know what, we can achieve those things. That's our calling in our generation. Mm. You know, and I love you said that. And even to go deeper than that, if you think about it from, uh, and we don't actually like to put Drew's stuff on here, actually, just because you don't sure. want to talk about religion. But, um, sure. but I do want to add this in a spiritual way, if you look at it, if you, if you stop a soul from achieving the things that they're most passionate about, how can they ever achieve the, their fullest potential within their faith and within their spirituality? Whatever that faith is, it doesn't matter. That's right. That's right. And then just be the better version of themselves. You can't okay. if you if you stop them from the point of where they even speak to you about what they're what they're truly passionate about, and you tell them, oh no, because of this and this and this, you give them a ton of limitations. How can they ever achieve their fullest potential? They'll never be okay. able to because that was their calling, that was their purpose, and that was their passion, and that was what's going to help them not only be the better version of themselves, but help your grandchildren and their grandchildren, and and on and on. That's right. That's right. And and I think that if anyone should be uh, should be allowing that. It should mm -hmm. be those of us who come from immigrant backgrounds. You know, yeah. my grandfather, he left Lebanon in 1907 mm -hmm. uh, and, and got, he made that journey. He looked across this, this, the Mediterranean Sea and said, I'm going to leave this place and try right. for a different life. Because he had a you dream. Know, how, how bold were these people that did right. that? You know, our parents, our grandparents, th they were very bold people. Now I'm going to ask them to, to be just as bold for their children. 
and say, if you're willing to make that huge leap from your homeland to come here, then why don't you allow your children to make a huge leap from what you've known to what they want to do Mm -hmm. and what they want to achieve? You're right. It's a spiritual journey as well as being a physical journey. Let's think about things on this sort of spiritual level that we want our children to have the the biggest, widest Mm -hmm. spiritual adventure uh, possible. And that's one way of doing that by allowing them to achieve their dreams. And by all means, if they want to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, and that's their dream, please go, go for that. That's why we need those too. Yeah. We need, we need, we need that too, but we also should not do all of that at the expense of those others, those few who do want to achieve their dreams, say in the arts uh, mm. or in music or whatever it may be. I think that would just, it's just a sad way of limiting our potential yeah. and we should never ever limit our potential. I'm with you 110%. <laughs> so I want to ask you a few questions before I, because I know we went a little over it, but it's okay because I love this Please. conversation. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, it. Let's say if you were talking to a kid, let's say straight out of college, yeah. and or even better, let's scratch that. Let's say that you can go back to your 22 year old self. Yeah. And or even let's go with 18. Yeah. Right. You're about to start college. Yeah. What would you have wished, or looking back now, if you can go back in time, what would you have done differently? And anyone yeah. out there listening, who was, was also facing your limitations and, you know, pushbacks and all that, what would you have done differently? What advice would you give them or you give yourself? Well, well, first I would say um, that even, you know, my, my father was very adamant that I had a fallback mm. degree. You know, he's like, you got to take, you got to have a fallback. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I did spend a great deal of time taking classes in engineering and things like that, that I, that honestly went nowhere and didn't really help me in my mm. career. And I, I feel that, that kind of I, that kind of thinking of well you'll you'll never make it so have a fallback is is very negative thinking and mm. looking back now i wish that was not something that i had listened to or or mm. allowed myself to to really embrace because i feel that that was a kind of that was kind of an impediment that was another way of sort of self programming yourself to say well you'll never really make it so you might as well do this other thing right. so i would say first of all uh, be careful of this notion that you're not worthy you are worthy. If you believe in something and you're passionate about something, you're worthy enough to pursue it just like everyone else is. And so I would tell, I would tell a young person that to follow their passion uh, and to frankly uh, drown out the voices that, are, that say no and say mm. that you can't do it. You should listen to the voice inside you that says, no, you can do it. Mm-hmm. So that would be the first bit of advice. And then the other bit of advice I would say uh, is that you should really uh, look at your options and talk to people who are ahead of you, who know more, and ask them, where should I go? Where should I study? Just like mm-hmm. we are doing right now. Right. You know, uh, I wish I had somebody like that in my life. I, I didn't. And I look back now saying, I wish somebody did give me that guidance. So I'm opening an invitation to everyone listening to this podcast. Email me if you want to have a pursuit, if you want to pursue the the career in performing arts, feel free to email me, contact me. I would love to talk to you about how to do that because I Mm. know a lot more now than I did then. And I hope that I can possibly help you. Or if I can't help you, I'll put you in touch with people who can help you because Mm. I know a lot of great Arab American artists in many different disciplines that are, that are worthy Mm. and that do great work. And I think would be great guidance for you. So those would be two things that I would say, looking back on my younger self, that I wish I could do, I could do differently. I love it. That's, that's very kind of you, by the way. That's, so I really appreciate no, that. My pleasure. And guys, take advantage of that. I mean, this is extremely important. This, uh, this is your life you're talking about and your passions. And you want to, and why wait any longer? You got someone that's here right. who wants to, who's 
an expert in this field. So, and if N is Drew's, so it totally gets you too. So might as well reach out. <laughs> I, I am, I get you completely. I've been there. I've done that. So I get right. you. And, and I want you to know that as, and it, I know that you didn't want to get too much into religion, but no, I, it's I look okay. at, you know, yeah. our specificity as Druze Americans, mm. you know, we are a minority within a minority within a minority. Right. We, 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 have a lot uh, up against us in many different ways. But that said, we come from a deeply rich historical culture. Right. So I would say be proud of your culture. You know, don't right. quit wanting to be someone else. Yes, mm -hmm. other, other groups have done amazing things and they're wonderful. But, you know, we are pretty amazing ourselves. We survived right. a thousand years uh, as, you know, technically as, as we call ourselves Druze. But we have a great history. And I think that we need to stop and, and, and relish that history and say, you know what, I want to contribute to that history. That's a good history. It's not something to be afraid of, shy away from, run away from. We should be proud of who we are mm -hmm. and yet we can be a part of a bigger narrative as well but mm -hmm. we can also be very proud of the specific thing that makes us who mm -hmm. we are as Druze. I love that and plus you know if we look at it I mean I love our I love our faith and, and everything about it because I really study deeply in it but if you look at it like our philosophers were were Plato, Aristotle you know in many right. more and you know and just studying their works anyone has access to that That's you know right. That's and right. so to be to to fear, oh, I don't want them to know I'm Druze because I don't want them to learn, or right. to because I'm afraid because we're we're secretive, we shouldn't share. No, like everything. If anybody really wants to know more about themselves and being closer to God or whatever the case may be, yeah. they'll find a way to seek for that. And right. and our philosophers are not, you know, they're not they're all not hidden. Like they're not secretive. Like everyone knows their works, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I first went to UCLA, I, I went to the librarian and said, "Do you have many?" materials on the Druze. He said, oh, we have a few hundred titles about the Druze wow. in English. In English. And wow. thought, That's amazing. Wow. We have so many things that have been translated into English. We have so many books by some of the great scholars like uh, Dr. McKerim. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we, we have amazing books. Druze Mystics, I think was called. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and historical information as well. So we, there's the knowledge is out there. We just need to seek it. And, mm -hmm. and for those of us who don't read Arabic deeply, you know, I, I can't mm. say I read Arabic deeply, like I can't read the original mm. uh, Hekmi. But what I can say is I've read a great deal about our history and I know a great deal about our history by attending lectures, reading books, etc. And I can say that um, mm. there is a lot of really great inspirational material there for us to learn mm. from and to carry forward as we go on in, in our journey. So instead of running away from who we are, I would just say embrace who you are and, and look at it as a rich cultural fountain to, mm. from which to draw rather than a thing that to be afraid of or to fear or to right. want to constantly be wishing you were someone else. It's, it's, there's no reason to do that. We, we have a lot to be proud of. We have a lot to be proud of. And I'm, I agree with you 100% because it's only going to help us. It's never going to hurt us. Think about it That's that right. way. The more wisdom right. you get, the more knowledge, the more you can apply it to your works, the more you can use it to, on your journey for yourself and get closer to yourself and God and himself. And just, it's just beautiful. So absolutely. And we've had that. other models. Casey Kasem was a great philanthropist. Oh, I used to listen to he him all the great, time. Yeah. You know, he's, he was a great voice actor. He was a great philanthropist. He was somebody who really showed us that anything is possible he, you know yeah. and, and I, i'll turn to the parents who say well you'll never make money i'll say oh really did casey Kasem never make money and the entertainment industry so you know yeah. on every level the person like that shows that everything right. is possible whether you want monetary attainment mm -hmm. or whether you want uh, artistic attainment or whether you want to just be somebody who is advocating for 
the rights of others overseas. I mean, uh, uh, Casey was a great advocate for, for different causes back in the homeland. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, again, there are too many examples to show that we, right. we can, we have done it and we can do it again. Mm, I love it. I love it. I used to listen to him actually on my way to acting classes when I was a kid, every Sunday. I, I, I met him several times and he was just oh, a humble, gentle, So kind lucky. I wish person. I met him. Oh, he was, he, I met him at the convention multiple times and he was a great man and a sweet man. So, mm. you know, I, I think he shows us that, you know, you can keep who you are and mm. be successful. Uh, you don't have to change who you are. Mm, I love that. Thank you. You know, Malik, thank you so much. Honestly, I, I'm overwhelmed by all the amazing wisdom you have and just how much you're advocating for the Druze and the Arab Americans in general. I just, I think it's beautiful what you do. And, and we're very lucky to have you in our community, especially. Well, we're lucky to have you, Hadil, for all of your advocacy. I mean, the thank fact you. that you're doing this podcast means that you're trying to make your contribution. And I'm sure that you're going to go on in your career and do amazing things. So thank you. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan already. And uh, <laughs> I look you. forward to many more conversations <laughs> with you, hopefully in the future. I will definitely want that. So thank you. I re really appreciate you, the kind words. So one last thing, where can we find you? So I know um, if anybody has questions or anything, what, what's the best way to reach you or follow so you? So University of Oregon has, uh, you know, our, our, you can type in my name and University of Oregon and you'll see mm -hmm. my webpage and that comes up with all of the different things I've awesome. written, et cetera, but it also has my email address. So Perfect. you can email me at, or call me at the University of Oregon. And again, I am here for you. I'm mm -hmm. again, if I don't know the answer, I'll put you in touch with somebody who does know the answer. Mm -hmm. So I also want to make that call for anybody who's out there trying to do any sort of cultural production work and needs resources. Again, reach out to me, mm -hmm. reach out to other Arab Americans in our field. You know, we believe that there is a better way forward and we'll, mm -hmm. we are all willing to help. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to talk about this. And uh, those parents out there who are skeptical, call me as well. <laughs> I, will I will also talk to you and, and let you uh, know my views, but also to, you know, I, I get your concerns and I understand mm -hmm. what you're going through, but trust me, your children deserve a shot at this life that uh, this, this country has given both yourselves mm -hmm. as parents, but also I think can give your children a beautiful, bright future as well. Right. I love it. Thank you so much, man. Like it's been an honor having you on here pleasure, and pleasure I can't wait for everyone, everyone to hear this. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a Thank pleasure. You. Thank you. All right, guys, stay tuned to the next episode. All right. Bye-bye.